Welcome to Ram Nation Radio, Episode 6. I'm Joel Cantalamessa, founder of RamNation.com. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Cam's Chorizo, Mike Rowe. Michael, you still buzzing over the call last week? Buzzing from excitement or buzzing from uh, all the scotch that I drank? That was a loaded question. Yeah, before we get into uh, rehashing that a little bit, my personal apologies for kind of losing it towards the end. Mike and I are used to an hour and a half, an hour to an hour and a half podcast. And uh, when you pace yourself with a cocktail or a beer or something during an hour and a half, it usually doesn't hit you. But when you go three hours, next thing you know, you're you're slurring and, and really rambling. So <laughs> that was a painful yeah, re-listen yeah. on my part. No, no, same, same here. Apologies as well. Um, but I mean, it's like a tailgate. I mean, it seriously was like one of our tailgates when some of the guys come around and just sit back and listen to their stories. It really was. You just kind of, I was just trying to prompt them with some questions to get them talking. And they, they were really a great listen. I, I thought that they each were very engaging. I thought uh, Palmer was hilarious. Oh gosh, yeah. I thought Crager was really engaging. I, you can see why he's a sought-after Division One coach. Yeah, I mean, he just – you know, I talked about it on the board. He just exudes being a coach, you know, and everything, everything, like all his responses, the way he carried himself. I mean, his room that he was in was like their war room for LSU football practices. I mean, I saw on the background he had stuff dr- drawn up. I think that was like their recruiting board. So. Yep. Oh, no, he's awesome. I was trying to zoom in with uh, the Zoom to see if I could steal any names and feed them to Adazio. But <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And then how about uh, Adrian Ross? He's he's a he's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. He, dude, he just has the biggest smile on his face, like all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. he's he's great and. Uh, you know, again, apologies to him. I tried to text him after and after a few drinks with uh, drunk fat fingers. I kept on hitting gifts and or gifs, as some call them, instead of trying to ask him a question. But no, I mean, he was he was a great talk. It was it was cool his perspective compared to the other guys because he was he was definitely the youngest youngest one and um the only one that wasn't recruited by Earl Bruce. So it was really cool hearing about that 94 team through his eyes as a, uh, I believe, a redshirt freshman. And uh, pretty cool to listen to Garrett Sand and Sean Moran kind of rehash that, that great play at Arizona. And just to hear their, their connection they still have to the program today, like they're still, they still have that affection. And, and Garrett talked about how he's a, an assistant – football coach in California right now and a volunteer and he is he has fed some some leads on recruits our way and interesting to get his perspective on that yeah it's cool to hear his reasoning for volunteering at his high school so that that's where his son goes to school at and his son is in the band his, his son isn't even on the team so he's not doing it to coach his own son he's doing it because he just loves football that much and you know wants to give back to his community so I thought that was that was awesome yeah, he did mention, uh, and I think Craiger kind of confirmed, was it James that, that said uh, they've both 
in the past have sent CSU some names that, of people that they've come across or they've coached that CSU should take a look at, and they both expressed a little frustration in that department that they weren't yeah, really being listened to. Yeah, I know Palmer. Palmer said both Palmer and uh, Garrett said that. Yeah, Palmer, uh, Palmer did say it with a lot of uh, long snappers and said that he'd been sending them. And, and it seems like nowadays every every uh, program, almost every other year, signs a long snapper just because of how important it was. You know, he talked about how he, – he talked about how um, his senior year, Sonny and the staff went up to him and was like, hey, you know, we can't afford – you to get hurt you know you're too important as a long snapper so you're not gonna be playing linebacker anymore and he said it is mostly because all the other guys are better than him but but he said it, I mean he talked about how Bowman was his backup and Bowman had been hurt so there's nobody there in case he got he got banged up to be the long snapper so yeah I mean it's, it's definitely frustrating whenever you're sending you know and he's working with some of the top guys in the nation as far as long snappers to kind of be ignored by his own program, you know, a program that he had ties with well before, uh, well before he even went there. Cause what he said, Leon Fuller was, was that his, his uncle or his uncle was on Fuller's staff. Yeah. You know, hopefully with the new staff, we see a little more willingness to tie, willingness to tie back to, some of our former players to accept that help that they're trying to give. You know, it seems like we're going that route. Uh, everything that they're putting out publicly is that uh, Adazio really wants to tie into old players, uh, some of the history, um, recruit hard local. And, you know, we did, we obviously, we don't need to rehash this every time we get on the air, but um, we, we saw the program stray a little bit over the recent years. So, that would be nice. Um, I know that it's great to have legends like those guys who were on with us for three hours, um, still that invested and still care that much. Um, you heard a little bit of frustration come out a few times. Uh, one in particular was Anthony Hill, who uh, was recently let go as the director of player development. And, uh, you know, pri privately, he has led on some things that he wasn't quite ready to talk about, but, uh, you know, just, I think that who's right or who's wrong. It's hard to tell. Obviously Anthony's going to be disappointed no matter what. Could you consider it sour grapes? I don't know. I don't really know all the, the both sides of the story, but I think that when you're dealing with a guy like Anthony Hill, who was a legend at CSU, one of the best quarterbacks we ever had was involved with a couple of our best teams that we've ever had. And he's been on our coaching staff and, and part of the program for a long time now. You really got to take extra care that when something like that ends, yes, when there's a head coaching change, all bets are off, right? I mean, coach is going to bring in his own, his own staff, but you really have to take care to make sure that that transition is, is not macrimonious, I guess. So, you know, uh, one of the things that impressed me with Anthony was I, I, th I think and you talked about it. There's there's a little bit of frustration from everybody on that call, but it was just so much positivity from all of them. Uh, and he even said at the end, he's like, you know, I'd love to be on again. Um, 
just him so he could talk more about that and and more about his side and i and that's i i, I really appreciated that in him and you know it could uh you know, it, it just goes for anybody. I mean, you, any group conversation, if one person suddenly goes negative, it kind of takes away from everybody. And he didn't do that. And I was I was very impressed with that. I know that he has a lot of stuff to say. And I think that in the future, we, we will have him on. And, and so he could hear, give more of his side. But, you know, I, I like, like you said, I was, I was very impressed with him in that regards. Um, very impressed with all of them. You know, when you look at alumni in general, not just former athletes, but just alumni, seems like everyone kind of falls in into three categories. Um, you have the the people that are just indifferent about where they went to school. It was kind of a, a means to an end, whether it was to get that degree, to to try to move on, to to go to the NFL, play overseas in basketball, NBA, whatever. Then you have the people kind of like us, like our listeners, like the people on Ram Nation who are just diehards. You know, we love our university. And then you have those that are just so bitter about everything. You know, is the professor's fault that they didn't get the job that they wanted. It was the coach's fault that they didn't, you know, the Uncle Uncle Rico's. who They would have just put me in, you know, we would have won state. Uh, and you have so many of those you know, kind of uh, alums as well. But these guys fell in that, that second category, that category where, you know, they bleed green and gold and they still care so much about the program. And yeah, you know, they're upset about the way things are going. They're upset about the way they've been treated lately. Uh, all the, all the former athletes, all the former football players, how they didn't feel welcomed the last few years, uh, how they don't think that their voices are being heard but yet they still just love Colorado state. And that was, to me, that was, that was what made last week's, you know, our, our taping with them, our podcast with them, just so powerful, like so rewarding, just hearing that, that love for the Rams. Yeah. I mean, you, you get a guy that uh, broke away from his his uh, division one coaching duties and James Craig, he's still at the office. He was, he thought that Ed Orgeron was going to come in at any moment and, and yeah. stop in and say hello and drop a hello to Sonny on the, on the podcast. But uh, you know, he actually took three hours out of his time at the office to, to talk to us. Um, so that's really cool. It's cool to see the bond that those guys still have all these years later. It was great to hear their passion for CSU. It was great to hear their recollection of, of those great memories that we have. Um, you know, and then get their impressions of, of how things are now and how they think things should be better or can be better. And um, I, I don't want to, it seems like the last couple of, of podcasts we've had, we had Darren Hall on the week before that, you know, he had, he had some, some not so great things to say about his relationship with the athletic department. And, you know, I don't want this to be a one-sided thing. I don't want to vilify the athletic department either uh, because I've had, I've had talks with, Joe and, and David Crum and Joe Parker and David Crum there in the athletic department and uh, as well as Stephen Cottingham and we've had uh, pretty pretty heart to heart talks about you know I brought to them this issue I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before but I, I talked to them about the need for CSU to perhaps create a position to 
solely focus on relationships with former student athletes. And I brought up a couple of examples of former student athletes who are very public in their disdain for CSU. And uh, let's just say that the, that the staff was well aware of that, of well aware of the, the public criticism that they get from these certain people. And they've tried to reach out. They've tried to talk and make amends and do, hello, Willow. And try to do things to to repair that relationship, and you know it's a two-way street. That's all I'll say. Um, they, it, it, if CSU reaches out and tries to make amends, the the recipient on the other end also has to to accept that, and you know do their part to repair the relationship as well if they're interested in doing so. Um, and I know that I know that CSU has, has made their efforts, has made some efforts. I will go. I was. I will always err on the side of the student athlete, though, because it's like they're the customer, right? The customer's always right. If they have a bad impression of CSU or if something's not right, it's our job. It's CSU's job to to fix that. So I, I hope that you know these efforts that our athletic department is making continue to push forward, continue to make strides in in growing relationships with the with the former student athletes. Because I, I think that they're a walking billboard for CSU. Uh, when they speak positively, it really is is a, a good thing for CSU. It creates momentum. It creates pride with uh, other alumni. So I, I it's just something to keep a watch on. Um, I don't, it feels like, it feels like every time we ask a question with one of these student athletes, they've, they've gone in that direction with the conversation, but, um, you know, that certainly that's not indicative of every former student athlete. There, there are plenty out there that are perfectly happy and with their relationship and with the university. And so we just got to fix the ones that, that aren't happy. Right. So, well, you know, one of the things that Sean said, um, and that really resonated is, is he's like, you can't just call Ellers every week and say, Hey, I need tickets. I need tickets. That can't be your involvement with, with CSU. And I completely understand that. You know, some of these, you know, we all have friends like every game's like, Hey, can you get me tickets? Hey, can you yeah. do this? Hey, can you do that? And, and at some point it's like, well, what can you do? You know, what, what can you what can you bring to the table as well? Can't just be a one way street. And Sean mentioned that. He's like, you know, some of some of our teammates, some you know, some of the former athletes, they need to give as well. They can't just call Illers, you know, every week and say, Hey, I need tickets, I need tickets. So I I, I mean, I completely agree with that and 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 you're right, we you know, we need to make sure that we, it doesn't just turn into complaining about the athletic department because Joe does some amazing things. You know, I've always been a huge supporter of Joe Parker and, and I think, you know, in, in my time frame, you know, from the early nineties to now as, as a fan, as, as being a student at CSU, I think he's definitely one of the strongest athletic directors that we've had, you know, during that time frame. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things that we need to, yeah, we need to make sure that it doesn't just – it's not just, you know, what can they do, what can they do, what can the athletic department do. It's – it's we're all in this together to make everything as good as possible. That's perfectly said, Mike, and I think – agree that Joe Parker has done a great job in a lot of areas. They've done a good job of trying to connect with alumni, connect with fans during – just especially just in the recent weeks, you know, in the, in the during the quarantine – 
I don't know if you have been, were you invited to the, uh, well, yes, I know you were invited to one of the Zoom calls with, with Joe Parker and another with Coach Adazio. Mm -hmm. I know they're doing a virtual town hall coming up uh, where fans can ask, ask questions. I think Joe and Coach Adazio, I think Coach Hilbert is supposed to be on that. Um, Coach Williams and Williams and, Me and Nico Medved, I, I believe. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that that's cool. That's kind of reminiscent of what we used to do as a, as a Ram Nation community doing those, those forums where we'd actually meet at the Bumba Gras Center and uh, listen to the ADs come and talk. We could ask questions. So that's like a virtual thing like that is really cool. Excuse me, really cool. And um, their social media efforts have been great. The, uh, I, I love how they're showing, they're tapping into some of these old games, football, uh, basketball, women's basketball even. Uh, I don't remember, I don't yeah. know if they've shown any volleyball yet, but I, I know that they're showing the 97 Holiday Bowl uh and having a virtual tailgate with fans so that's cool um so so th they're doing little things right i think they're doing great things at the stadium i wanted to ask you um i really like the idea they're doing this uh this all-inclusive south end zone ticket where i think it's like 200 bucks and you get uh, a food voucher you get your ticket obviously you get a food voucher and um, parking with it for 200 bucks for a season ticket so i actually added on a, a, a several season tickets uh for this year because of that i, I just like that and it, they're general admission tickets too so uh, it's all for the for the south end zone so if when i get hit up for extra tickets or you know from friends or, or family or whatever or if my kids want to bring other friends that's a perfect way to just send them off to the south end zone let them roam around get their food and do all that so um i took advantage of that but things like that i really think they're doing a great job and i hope that we don't lose some of that momentum with with what could potentially be a disruption in the football season here with 50 percent crowds and uh or no crowds whatever it may be yeah, you know, uh, we met with Chris Ferris last year. Chris Ferris is in the athletic department. That was that was similar to one of the ideas that I I kicked across to just just going off of you know what the Rapids do, and even what the Rockies have started doing with the uh, with the with the party deck where you can get tickets, get different passes where the tickets aren't as expensive. It's going to be general admission, but you also get like discount on, on drinks or discount in the, uh, in the team store. So I, I think looking at, at things like that is very important to get some of these, especially uh, younger alums to become involved, you know, somebody or, or, or families, young families that don't have as much disposable income uh, but still want to be part of the uh, part of the program, so you know, so they're able to to do something like that, and and it really helps, you know. I mean, that's what was it, two hundred dollars compared to two fifty. I mean, you get two two tickets. I mean, three tickets, you're saving one hundred fifty bucks, you know, and you're getting drinks so in the game. So, you know, I, I mean, I love I love what they're doing. I love the. the the mini game packages that they're putting out, you know, yesterday they just announced the themes to each, each of the home games. So yeah, stuff like that is, it's, it's, it's good. And it's, and it's definitely, again, it's the right, it's, they're going in the right. The right direction, Mike, you, I lost you for a sec, but you're right. So a lot of good things. I'm here. I'm here. So just the other day, the athletic department, Kyle Neves, the director of sports information put together a, a call with, 
I believe it was Daquan Jackson, Warren Jackson, and Patrick O'Brien. So it was interesting to hear them talk about how they're staying busy during the quarantine and how they're working out during the quarantine. And, and the interesting thing was how they're all really kind of staying connected through Zoom calls or they're calling each other a lot and they're trying to keep that connection despite not having personal um, in-person contact. I know uh, POB and Warren Jackson said they talk three, four times a week and usually don't even talk about football. So they're just, they're just meshing from, from a, you know, guy's standpoint. What I thought, what I think is interesting, they all kind of, they all kind of mentioned the same thing. Adazio has mentioned this in the media and on a couple of our calls, but he said, he laughs when, when some of these college football coaches say, well, I need eight, eight weeks of, prep to, to be ready for the season and Adazio keeps this mantra mantra of like if they tell us it's time to start tomorrow we'll be ready if we had to kick off our first game tomorrow we'll be ready and to a man each of the guy on those calls each kind of said that and they said they appreciate that that uh hey I know that this is an unusual thing whether we get one you know one week of practice or six weeks of practice we'll be ready so it's just that mentality I, I like that the, the approach that they're all taking and to uh, to try to mentally be ready for this season. Yeah, um, you know the the other thing that uh, you know we're seeing about what Warren and, and POB are doing and and how they talked about it's not just about football. Tying that back in with with last week's podcast is to to a man. They said it, everything started changing when they started hanging out with each other, and they, yeah. when everyone started doing stuff off the field and just hearing, I mean, because, I mean, we heard about, I mean, you hear the rumors from the last few years about the divisions on the team. A lot of clicks. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to see something like this, it's just such a refreshing, you know, take on, on what's going on in the program. And I, and I just love hearing that, you know, I just, I, I love hearing what, what they're doing and what their focus is. Yeah. Well, uh, just one more comment on Patrick O'Brien. He, he said that basically what he's been doing to try to keep in shape is, you know, obviously working out on his own, but he's, he's hooking up with a lot of his former, uh, his friends and former uh, teammates and, and throwing passes and keeping his arm sharp. And, but one thing that are you at all nervous for him? I mean, the reason he didn't get more of a shot with Colin Hill in the mix was because he didn't know the playbook as much. And obviously Colin Hill's going to know the playbook because he's in, he was in the program for several years at that point. And Patrick O'Brien was in for one year, but here he is again, he's got to learn a whole new playbook. I, I wonder how much that will hamper him as, you know, or at least early in the season, especially when you've got an offensive line that's going to be green to say the least, we we'll lose three starters, get two guys back, and and not a ton of guys with an extensive experience. So it could be a could be a situation early in the year where the offense takes a little time to come around. You know, to me, it, it, it it's kind of similar to what Pete Thomas and Garrett Grayson uh, that that quarterback situation was with with Fairchild and with. Uh, going into to, to McElwain's tenure, you know, if we, you remember back then, uh, I think Grace had gray shirted and waited a year because I think they both committed at the same time, him and him and Pete Thomas. 
but Pete Thomas was Fairchild's guy. And no matter what, he was always going to be Fairchild's guy. And so he was going to know the playbook better. You know, whenever you're running with the ones all the time, no matter what, you're just going to know, you're just going to know the playbook better than whoever's running with the twos. And, but then, then when we saw when, when Thomas got hurt and, and Grayson came in, you know, the, the struggles that Grayson had, but you also saw the glimpses uh, of his talent. And then when the change was made with, with uh, McElwain, you know, he came in and, and, and took over. I mean, he took the, took the reins and, and, Again, I consider him one of the top five quarterbacks in CSU history. Um, you know, you look at, at POB, you know, the same thing. Everyone was like, well, he, he doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know the playbook. Again, when you're running with the twos, you're not going to know the playbook as well as if, if you're the starter. I mean, no matter how much time you study on your own, you know, how much time you study on air, it's not the same as, as getting those reps with the ones. And when he came in, you know, I honestly, again, I, I said this in an earlier podcast, I can't think of a game where he, the reason we lost was because of the quarterback play. Um, I thought that he always kept us in every game. He looked good in, in, uh, in a lot of stretches. So going into next year, and I'm not, I'm not nervous at all. Uh, even with, with him learning a new, uh, a new system, I'm not, I, I mean, football is football. Um, I mean, it's not – we're not We're not going from from a pro style to a triple option or, you know, a spread option. I mean, it's it's still going to be pretty similar. And, and just hearing from Adazio on one of those Zoom calls that you talked about, somebody asked pretty much the same question that you just asked, and he talked about how impressed he was with, with POB, you know, how much he commanded the team. And just you know how he can make every throw. So uh, again, I'm personally excited about it. I think it's going to be, again, it's going to be similar to what Grayson did in in his transition. All right, this next segment is going to be brought to you by Mighty River Brewing Company. Very excited to say that Mighty River Brewing Company is reopening as of one o'clock this Friday, May 29th. They'll have some new rules in place to make sure everybody's safe, including starting by operating only at 50% capacity that allows spacing between parties. You can read all their stipulations on the Mighty River Brewing Facebook page, but if you're itching to get out of the house, get out, uh, be around people in some sort of capacity, head to the river. Uh, Mighty River is awesome. They'll have their beers flowing, they'll have their food trucks uh, on Friday, as well as you can check out their entire uh, food truck schedule going forward on their website, MightyRiverBrewing.com. Plus, they're right next door to Pizza Vino, and you can order while you're at Mighty River. You can get your pizza uh, delivered to you uh, while you're drinking beer. So it's pretty cool. Great setup they've got. They want to thank everybody for their support during the last few months. So I implore you, check these guys out. Dan Miller does an amazing job. He has some of the best beers around, and uh, they've got a great tap room and a courtyard to enjoy your food and drinks in. He's a big-time CSU fan and donor and a longtime Ram Nationer, so please get out and support Mighty River Brewing Company. So, Mike, on this next segment, I wanted to kind of um, go through. We, we got asked a few questions. We now haven't got to. This was several weeks ago, but some, uh, some people posted some questions they wanted us to answer when we could. Uh, so let's, let's, I want to talk through a few of these because we've been – We've been sitting on it for a while, but first of all, before we get to that, the general board is back. I know you're really happy about that. I, I brought back the general discussion board. It's already uh, 
it's already giving me a headache, although I've got a few board monitors which are helping with that cause. They're helping so that when I'm working in spurts of several hours at a time that the board is not going neglected and other people can catch stuff. But you know, there's still the usual suspects that I'm getting. I'm getting emails from, hey, why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing that? And it, it'll always give me a headache, but it's back for now and barring uh, another meltdown, we'll see if we can keep it around for a while. I definitely think that the, the two new board mon uh, monitors are, are doing a good job, and I think that is going to be pretty helpful. So, so with with that, I think I think it can be, you know, what we what you initially envisioned a decade ago or fifteen years ago, whenever you put it in. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it continues in that positive direction. All right. So one of the one of the questions that we got on the board was, what are I guess this lists one each. What's a, one of your favorite road game stories? I know we've shared a couple in recent episodes, but maybe pick a new one that, uh, that you enjoy. So my, my favorite CSU road trip of all time is the Boston College road trip. Tracy and I and uh, one of my good buddies uh, whose family is, is from the Boston area, we took a red eye out Wednesday night, uh, landed Thursday morning, his aunt picked us up at the airport and then drove us. They had a lake house about 45 minutes north of Boston. And we just went to this cool lake house and for the next two days, just chilled on the lake, drank and fished. Uh, we went into, into, into the city for a Red Sox game. So that was, if, if you remember, that was the weekend of Derek Jeter's final road trip to Boston and that was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So a lot of our friends that we knew, they got, they paid $300 for standing room only tickets for the Friday night game. And he didn't even play. Well, Thursday they were, they were hosting the, the Tampa Bay Rays. And so we got, we decided to go to that game, uh, got thir uh, first base side, Kind of by the, uh, oh my gosh, what's that movie with Drew Barrymore and uh, Fever Pitch? Fever Pitch. Kind of by, yeah, kind of by those seats, but they're film, filming the movie Spotlight. So Mark Ruffalo was like 10 rows behind me. And then, uh, oh my gosh, the girl from Wedding Crashers, Rachel McAdams, was like seven rows behind me. So I got this awesome picture of, of Rachel McAdams looking right at me when I took it. So, I mean, that was just cool, you know, Fenway thing. And, and what was, the uh, day, what was tailgating okay. like in Boston, at Boston college? So that, that was, that was what the, the next thing. So, uh, as you know, I, you know, I always like to throw tailgates and stuff. Yeah. Even when, when we're on the road and I had talked, tried to, to contact, you know, BC's, uh, ticket office and all that asking about parking and, and things like that. And basically the way their, their stadium is set up, there's no like general lots. Um, you, you have donor tailgating kind of a, around the stadium, but it's kind of all over the place. And, and I know the alumni association, they had a tailgate set up that wasn't even near the stadium. Um, and so that Friday, and this is just kind of the, the power of social media and, and Ram Nation. 
in general. But so that Friday, just Googled like top 10 Boston College bars and found a, found like their student newspaper or something and just started going down the list. And, and Tracy was just calling like, hey, what time are you going to open up? Because the game was at noon. And they were like, oh, we're opening up at 11. Click. Finally, one was like, well, I think we're going to open up because uh, of the game. We think we're going to open up around 930. And Tracy is like, if we can guarantee like 15 people, would you open up at eight? And they're like, oh, yeah. They're like, yeah, for sure. If you can guarantee 15 people, you know, we'll open up at eight because we'll be there anyway setting up. And so I put it on Ram Nation. You know, Jeff Riley Naramska made a tailgate flyer, uh, threw it up on Ram Nation on Twitter and Facebook. And we got there at 8.05. And there were probably 50 people there already, 50 CSU, cool. CSU fans. And by, by 10 o'clock, there were probably 150 CSU fans there before the first BC fans uh, showed up. And the best thing is, like, one BC fan came in with their buddy who was wearing a CU shirt. And that was, like, two weeks after we just <laughs> beat him. And, of course, I stood up on the table and started chanting the score, and the whole bar just starts chanting chanting the score. So they had one beer and left. Uh, and then, obviously, the way the game ended, fourth down, uh, Grayson to love it for the game winner. Uh, sorry, Coach. But Coach Adazio <laughs> ripping off his headset and yep. – and, storming off when, whenever we won uh, and then we all went back to that bar and we had both levels of that bar I bet we had probably 400 Ram fans just partying and Aggie 76 uh Ed I think he bought everybody in the upper in the in the upper bar around a shot like I bet I I don't even want to know how much he spent but I know that I mean, they just table like platters of shots just kept on coming out to tables, and he's like, "I got this, I got this." So, now that I mean, just the whole trip, just unreal, unreal. That's that's by far my favorite road trip. That's cool. That's cool. That's great. That, that's a trip that I and I hadn't heard you tell that before, but that's a trip that I will always regret not being able to make. I can't remember what it was that I couldn't. It was probably related to a kid's sporting tournament or something like that but uh that's that that was a great win i can imagine that uh the post-game celebration was fun plus you're in boston uh, just a cool different different part of the country that that csu doesn't normally play in so that's a great one i think mine and there's i there's a lot of great ones uh that i could bring up but i think the one that i'll share is the 1999 liberty bowl which this is the beauty of college sports and being a college sports fan and what it does for alumni like me is that you can look back on a, a bowl game loss and think of it as one of your favorite trips ever. We ended up losing the Southern Miss in that game, uh, but the trip itself was fantastic. Memphis was a fun, fun city. It was the first time we'd gone there, obviously. We went there the following year and then two years later, which I remember by that third year, everyone was like, well, we don't want to go to Memphis again. That's back when we used to be snobs about winning conference championships and where right. we went to bowls. But but uh, that, that trip was cool because it was, uh, the game was I think on New Year's Eve, or maybe it was New Year's Eve Eve, 
I can't remember. It was on New Year's Eve itself. So everyone was like, there was, there were concerns. Like, do we want to fly and be, be flying the weekend of, you know, New Year's um, when it turns the new century? Y2K. Remember Y2K? People worried that like computers were going to go down and planes were going to crash. And so there's all that stupid paranoia. Anyway, so the, uh, the game itself was a good game. Uh, Southern Miss was really good that year. It was a competitive game, fun game to watch. Yeah, it sucked that we lost, but uh, touring Graceland in the days leading up to to the game was was really cool. The barbecue they have on Beale Street, the bars that they had on Beale Street, I, I loved it, man. I really loved it. The next year when we, when we beat Louisville, there was not as fun of a trip, and it was frigid. But the uh, the Southern Miss game was awesome, and then what what really capped it was the team ended up staying because it was new year's and they, the alumni association put on a big party. And so there were players, there were coaches in the hundreds of Ram fans in this ballroom at the hotel. And I remember Sonny getting out on the dance floor and dancing. I got pictures of that. And uh, just a really cool memory of, of, you know, you, when you look back on something like a trip like that, and you remember more than just the game, you remember everything outside of it. And, I'm, there's there's guys from Ram Nation that uh, this is back back before Ram Nation existed, I think, a year before Ram Nation existed. But I met these guys uh, that I'm still friends with today. I didn't know them in college, but uh, you know, Darshan Ram Man is one of them. Uh, Greg Bianco is Web. Uh, he doesn't really post anymore on Ram Nation, but uh, guys that that I met 20 years ago and I'm still really good friends with today because of it so i love that stuff i love uh i love what road games can do and th- that's kind of what sucks remember when there was a stretch there where it was the later sunny years and early uh fairchild years when we just stopped playing those big road games i don't know the philosophy changed a little bit but i remember every season you could look and say that's the big road game we're going to this year and it was the one you'd plan around and you'd go and then there were probably five years six six years that in a row that there really just wasn't that marquee non-conference trip. Not at all. So, so I, uh, I love again, that. Going back to – sorry, going back to, you know, one of the great things about Joe Parker. I mean, yep. look at what we have. I mean, this year we're going to Oregon State or hopefully hopefully going to Oregon State and Vandy. Next year we're going to Iowa. Uh, in 22, we're going to Washington State and Michigan. You know. Yep. Um, and we have Texas. Gosh, we have Texas. Texas in what is that 2025? 20, CCRams.com took down their future schedule, so I, I gotta find uh, another link. But, but anyway, then we, we got a home and home with Texas Tech coming up. We got yeah. a home and home with Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Uh, so I, you can't that, understand. That might even be like a two for two, the Arizona one. I think. Uh, is Vandy a two for? Or is Vandy is, yeah. Yeah. Vandy is a two for two for two. Uh, but I want to think that either Arizona or Tech is as well. But yeah, I mean, he's just—he's just—it's—it's it's putting out our product. It, It's—and and again, the guys last week and and Darren alluded to this. We were we were a turning into a logo school in the '90s, where if anyone in the United States saw the Ram logo, they knew that it was Colorado State. I, I think that's a, a vision that that Tony Frank has had with the program. I think that's something that Joyce McConnell is, is, is doing. And I, and I think Joe's doing a good job spreading that across with, with, with our scheduling. 
Yeah, it can't. You can't understate the importance of that, in my opinion, because it allows fans to go experience new places that we've never been to or probably wouldn't really visit without a football game there. And you get to experience new traditions, new crowds, new parts of the country, and then you've got these memories. And you also open up the opportunity for an Arizona type of win or a Michigan State type of win, where we. This is why this is why we have those guys on last week and the, and the week before that because those those are iconic wins that we will never forget and uh, that's no how you went to traditions. Virginia you know yeah that was my other my I debated whether to tell that story or the Southern Miss we could tell that one another time but that was no, and, and one of my favorite trips yeah, getting those 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 signature wins again Boston College signature win Virginia signature win Arizona signature win Michigan State signature win. I mean, those are those are, I mean, culture changing wins and and opportunities and and hopefully that's what we have with with our scheduling and and with this new staff in the future. Cool. Let me ask you one more question from the list. I know there's more, but we'll be on all night, and I don't want to go another three hours like we did last <laughs> week. But um, so you're you're the right guy to ask about this. But um, what? What do you think about these these new facilities that are coming up for the soccer program and the softball program? Sorely needed, right? Very much so. Very much so. You know, I was I was in in school when they put in the softball field. Uh, what they have now, where they play now. Yeah. I remember. Gosh, I want to say they used to play at like Adora Park, in just like a regular softball field. When when I first. Uh, was at CSU like from I was there from 93 to 98 and they played off off campus I think Roller Moore Park is where they played yeah that's right that's right and uh but yeah it's a place where they play beer league softball game you know and that's where that's where division one team was was called home so I remember the big deal it was when they put that in next to the the practice facilities next to Moby and I you know like I remember to, uh, the Sosh, the whole Save Our Stadium, Save our stadium. Yeah. Uh, group was – and then someone brought up Title Nine, like, well, they need to bring, build a new softball field if they don't have anything. And, and I – at the time, I thought, come on, like, serious. And I'm like, it's not even that old. But I went to a game last year. We took Willow, my, our daughter, up there, uh, went to a game. And the facilities are horrible. Like, you can't – I mean, I've been to better high school softball facilities, baseball facilities. And so when when the plans came out for the new, uh, like, joint softball and soccer field facilities, I, I was just ecstatic. It's something that's needed. Um, again, it's – I mean, you look at our, our, our softball program, and, and it sucks that – that uh, this spring didn't happen for them. You know, they, they came out, they, they, yeah, they looked good. They looked good in that early tournament in Texas, a couple big wins, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of momentum going with that. You see, you know, last year, our soccer program qualified for the Mountain West tournament because you have to qualify to, to get in and they qualified for the first time in program history. They had their first winning record in, in program history. So a lot of positives going with those two programs. And I think this, this new setup that they have is just going to, you know, push that even further and, and, 
again, it's, it's, you know, I've watched all those softball games on TV. They were all on ESPN, the ESPN networks, whether it's ESPN plus or ESPNU or, or the Longhorn network. Longhorn network. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, again, it, it's, it's getting the CSU name out and, and, and I think those facilities are much needed. Well, soccer is such a hot, you know, Colorado is a hotbed for, for soccer. And, and I think with good facilities and a little momentum showing that you're improving on the field and then having, uh, you know, having a good recruiting base, I, th- I think this is a, that's a program that could really take off. I mean, I'm really happy that, that, yeah. that CSU went that direction when they, um, you remember Mark Driscoll added women's water polo just yeah. to kind of fit, fill a need and, uh, Dropping that and, and bringing in soccer was the best thing they could have done. But I, I, I agree, and I, I think that, you know, it's not it, – it shows. It's not just about football. It's not just about the big three. If, if you are striving for excellence, you're doing it across the board for every sport. So you have to put in the resources and, and um, invest in those, in those areas if you want to see success. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy to see that myself and looking forward. And, to and, and we're just coming off the uh, remodeling of, of Jack Christensen. Yeah. Uh, the, the track facilities, you know, we, we have one of the top mountain West track programs, uh, cross country, indoor and outdoor track. So, you know, we, we just built the new uh, golf, uh, golf facilities. You know, and, and, and we're seeing it in our golf programs. I mean, uh, men's golf finished in the top 10 nationally for the fall season. And, again, it, it sucks that they, they their, the spring season was canceled. But I know, the, you know, women's golf is, is, is one of the top in the Mountain West. So it's, it's across the board. And, you know, if football can get back there, I mean, I mean, it'll be great for, for CSU, especially as we look into hopefully moving into a different conference. All right, let's uh, head to our last segment, which is brought to you by Ginger and Baker. Uh, our next segment, it's uh, we won't always get to this uh, around the horn news segment because we're, we're more often than not going to have a guest uh, that takes up a lot of our time. But this new segment is brought to you by Ginger and Baker. They're closed right now, but when they reopen, I encourage you all to check them out. Uh, they've got an unbelievable facility with the cash restaurant, the cafe, the market and bakery. It's a, and the, the, I don't know if Mike, if you've ever been on their rooftop, but it's very cool, stunning rooftop facility. Uh, great views up there. They get music, live music up there. Then they've got uh, the mill top space right in the, basically what's the attic of the, of the building and uh, the great private parties and special events there, a teaching kitchen where you can learn to cook and companies use it also for team building in there. And then a beautiful wine cellar, which uh, holds up to 48 guests and uh, they have wine parties, wine tasting parties in there. So it's really, really cool place. I'm telling you, Ginger and Baker is an unbelievable facility. They run well, amazing food and drinks, and they're an amazing Randmation.com sponsor. So please support them. All right, so Michael, I, I just did see this, uh, that CSU moved, not CSU, but UNLV moved our game uh, from October 24th, a Saturday, to the Friday, October 23rd. I don't know if that makes any difference at all as far as competitive difference or, uh, or fan, fan difference, but just – I think a Friday night in Vegas would be really cool, especially at Allegiant Stadium. And if uh, things clear up, I am going. I had well, so I put in. Uh, now, I, again, I don't even know 
timing anymore. Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, four tickets to the Wisconsin Notre Dame game, which is the same weekend as uh, our homecoming, uh, CSU's homecoming game against Fresno. And then also for the Wisconsin Northwestern game at Wrigley Field, which is uh, November 7th. We actually have a bye week for CSU, so that's not – that's not that does work out. But because of that, <laughs> you know, I think I might have to cut back on on a, a road trip. I mean, ob- again, obviously this is all if things work out. Right. But, uh, no, I mean, I think that's good. It'll be a – I mean, it'd be a primetime game or definitely a night game, a national game. So, be great. Again, a uh, great chance for CSU to go on the road, get a win, get a win on national TV as opposed to, you know, a, a t- 3 o'clock time slot or an Sam 8.30 Saturday night. Yeah, at Sam Bo- – exactly. So, you know, play, oh, playing, playing in the Raiders stadium, I, th- I think it will be a great thing. And uh, especially with, since the Rocky Mountain Showdown is not going to be in Denver this year. So it'll be cool. It'll be cool for the players to get that reward of, of playing in an in a NFL stadium. Yeah, I, I really hope things start improving – they already are, but will they get to a point where it's free reign to travel? And, and actually, if there's a stadium where you could could attend and f- be spacious with your uh, with with other fans, it's going to be Allegiant Stadium at a UNLV yeah. game. So exactly, uh, I think that one is one that I I will not miss this year. Uh, but getting back to the the promo dates, they already said that the CU game, the opener, would be a green out. Then you get the orange out against UNC. And uh, McCaffrey coming to town. Ed McCaffrey, the head coach of the UNC Bears. Homecoming, as you said, October 3rd, Fresno State. Uh, State Pride is New Mexico. So I guess this is going to be an annual thing with the State Pride. I know we we did away with them for a couple years. And now looks like we're going back to them each year, which would be cool. Uh, And then, unless it's just the State Pride theme, but we're not really wearing the unis. I don't know. But I, I would imagine we're wearing unis for that and then border war you got uh on halloween which is cool really cool and then uh, utah state is uh november 24th senior day and then they mentioned something about uh a yet to be unveiled surprise theme game so i'm not sure what that would be i have no idea what if it's something big small or if they just haven't nailed down what date they want to do something on, but uh, that, yeah. I thought that was an interesting note in their press release. Um, but so hopefully, hopefully the state pride game is a day game. You know, last year it was a what was the eight thirty p.m. game, yeah, the night game, and like and cold. Yeah. So unless you're a nerd like me who has Booker, <laughs> you know, at his shop make everything I want, and right. had the had the white white or a blue state pride i mean it's got to be a day game just so that everyone could show off their yeah their stuff you know right that's a good point and thankfully that game's earlier october so less of a chance for a frigid frigid game as as it would be a later october or november date but but yeah that that's always frustrating as is usually the the orange out is earlier in the year which is is no is no problem but uh yeah but yeah, that state pride when you want to wear your your new uh, blue state pride shirt or whatever, and it's freezing, you can't really do that unless you try to <laughs> put that thing over a parka. 
But uh, one thing that just felt a little weird getting that email though and getting those dates when we really haven't heard anything about is, you know, are there going to be changes this fall or is there going to be fans? Is there going to be limited fans? So uh, it, there's a lot of things going on across the country that are varying so greatly. So Iowa State just the other day announced that they're, they're planning to have only half capacity, essentially 30,000 fans in Jack Trice Stadium. I think it holds uh, 60,000, 60, something like that. So the, what they're using it as, so just that day alone when they made that announcement, they had 2,700 additional season ticket packages sold and received yeah. 750,000 in, in uh, Cyclone Club donations, which I am reading that, I'm reading into that is that basically if you want to guarantee that you're going to be at that game, you have to be a season ticket holder. So yeah. I think that's could be, you know, what happens at CSU as well. I mean, if they end up saying, look, we we're only going half capacity, our, our seating capacity is what 34,000 at uh, canvas. So 17, 17,000 yeah. people. That'd be a usual game for us, but, but I, I don't know. Uh, we, they... we practiced that at the Boise State game last year. Huh? Uh, uh, a lot, lot worse than that. Yeah, that was that was like five thousand people at that. That was embarrassing, but that was also right after Blizzard. Yeah, um, I saw that uh, Nebraska had said that uh, they could lose about twenty-seven million if they are hosting their stadium with around 20 to 30,000 fans and then another uh, they would lose another, I think they said it increased by 10 million if, uh, if there were no fans yeah. at all. So just weird things. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, is it going to be a school by school decision, a state by state decision, you know, that's well, mandated that's, that's by governors. It's just so hard about all this. You know, you look at Iowa who hasn't had, as many restrictions as a state like Colorado, you know, they, they just have, haven't done, <laughs> done what we have here, or, you know, what they've done on the East coast or on the West coast. And, and even a state like Nebraska that hasn't. Um, so it, I mean, again, it's hard, it's hard to think about it. You know, my brother lives in Alabama and, and their places were opening up two weeks earlier than, than what we were. You know, and they <laughs> went into shutdown like a month after we did. It's just, yeah, it's this whole thing is it's it's tough. And and I know as fans, we're frustrated. We want to hear more. You know, I, I saw somebody posting yesterday blasting Joe Parker because the Iowa State AD came out and said what he said and felt that Joe Parker needs to come out. But you can't. I don't. I mean, you you can't. This thing changes daily, hourly, yeah. you know, as being in education myself, you know, just what we have done at a, at a school district level, you know, every meeting we had, I mean, changed the day that we went, that we shut down March 13th, the meeting on Thursday was talking about maybe going in, into a two week spring break. And then by the end of Thursday night, it had completely changed where we're definitely going to go on a two-week spring break. And then a week into spring break, it was we are waiting until April 16th or whatever. And, right. you know, it's just it, – no one's going to know. I mean, it's just – it's going to be interesting, you know, and it's and – it's, 
I mean, it's almost like what we're seeing from the White House with as far as the NCAA is concerned is there's like no central leadership. They're not saying like, you know, this is what we're going to do. It is, well, I'll, we'll let the conferences <laughs> sort right. it out. They can figure it out. Right. Well, and you wonder how much of that was a ploy to sell season tickets, <laughs> you know, on yeah. Iowa States, because how are you supposed to know if four months from now, you're only going to be allowed to yeah. have half the fans. Um, you know, just, just a couple weeks ago, we weren't sure if there was going to be any public restaurants and things open at all for months to come. And all of a sudden and here in Douglas County, restaurants and bars are opening again, you know, so, yeah. so you don't know what's going to happen three, four months from now. It's I, yeah. I, I'm glad that we're not saying making that declaration already, you know, that Joe Parker's not coming out and say, well, we're going to do this and that. Exactly. You just, just say, look, we're, we're preparing for a variety of different situations. There could be a variety of different scenarios. Um, but right now we're planning on, business as usual when that changes we will let you know so you know i think you know the the aac um commissioner mike oresco he just said he anticipates an on-time start to the football season which i think is great i, I really didn't want to see this push to spring or even whatever canceled altogether. i think as each week goes by that uh that notion is is at least improving um you know he he thinks as long as he says, as long as tests and protocols are in place and the pandemic is receding, you know, our feeling as our ADs and our presidents was one or two schools feel like they can't play. They're more of a hot zone. They can't play. Then they will sit out the season, but it's not going to hold back the rest of the conference. So they would play with like, you know, nine or 10. I think most schools they've come out and said, basically we're going to be starting early to mid June. You know, they're bringing their student athletes in and some of them are doing in waves. I read that the University of Cincinnati is bringing in four different waves. So um, vendor, veterans and top players will take precedence with the first wave, you know, and then they would bring in mid, middle class guys and then the, the underclassmen um, after that. So there are a lot of different ways to do it. It'll be interesting to see how each, each school, each state handles all this, but uh, and then I saw that uh, Pac-12 commissioner, he says that at this, at this point, he doesn't really have a concern that there's going to be any members in his conference that aren't going to play. So that's a big change from just a couple of weeks ago when they were, you know, their governor had major restrictions on higher education and there would be no in-person learning. And we were like, well, what are California schools going to do? And the state yeah. of or Oregon's governor said no, no crowds until the end of September. So all these things that they came out and said just a few weeks ago, are clearly getting better, but yeah. that's, that's kind of nice to hear the Pac-12 and uh, that they're going that route because we've got three teams in the conference that are in California, and we've got an opponent, non-conference opponent, Oregon, uh, Oregon State, that that we also would like to uh, be able to play that game as well. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, I was reading this, um, the Wall Street Journal highlighted, they, they did this story where there are these apps one is called the 12th man app and one is called the remote cheerer app. And what they do is they allow like fans to you sign up and you've got this account and they can, during a big play, they can like push a button and say, cheer for me. And it gets piped into the sound of the stadium. So that's awesome. It goes into the stadium speakers uh, and you can play, you can cheer, you can voice your pleasure or displeasure. Uh, and it all comes through the speakers in real time. So I don't, I don't really know what that would look like. That would be really weird and really crazy. Uh, but I guess if, uh, if that's your last resort, 
better than well, nothing. Watching, watching the Bundesliga, uh, German soccer, the last uh, two weekends. The first weekend was just – they just played. And it was funny on the, the, the Monday broadcast, uh, the team that I follow played played Monday afternoon. And, and the announcers before was like, just so you know, uh, you could hear everything that's going on on the pitch as far as coaches and players. So we just want to apologize in advance <laughs> for any uh, <laughs> any language that you might hear. Uh, but then last week, this last weekend's matches, uh, they started piping sound in. So, so there was crowd, there was crowd noise, and it was amazing how well that they, you know, when the home team when they would start building up attacks, like how it would get louder or if there's a big save, you know, the crowd would react to it. So again, I mentioned it how how many uh, professional leagues here in the in the United States were were on the Bundesliga meeting yeah. to reinstate the league and what they're seeing so it'll I mean if we have to go that route I mean it'll be it'll be interesting in an app like that kind of fun you know obviously not ideal it'd be better to be in the stadium but yep would give us that interaction well it wouldn't uh be interesting to see whether people that are as vocal as they are when I hear them behind the CSU ramp bench at football games when uh, things aren't going very well, be be interesting to see if they submit some of those comments <laughs> to this right. app. A <laughs> uh, couple more, Michael. Um, there's been some talk. Uh, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports quoted a Power Five uh, president who said that the NCAA is becoming less and less relevant and that he could see the Power Five conferences creating their own version of the NCAA in the near future. There was a CEO of an Atlanta-based sports entertainment marketing firm called Melt that came out and said that he believes the Power Five schools will or conferences will create their own entity within two years. I think that's ridiculous. Um, there's been a lot of rebuttals to that with a, you know national media, but you know, I personally think that Power Five gets everything they want as it is already, right? They're making the rules. So what's what is what? What do you need to leave for? Um, they keep all the football money. You know, they basically, it's a monopoly. They keep the majority of football money. The G5 schools gets a pittance. The NCAA is not making money off of that. It's it's all about the Power Five conferences. You know, and if they break away, they're, you know, there's going to be lawsuits. They're going to be going to court. And the other thing, the NCAA tournament is worth a billion dollars for the span of a three-week event, right? So, yeah. and what makes it appealing about that event is every conference has the ability to make it. Right. So it's a true like invitational. You could play your way into it. Um, you've got David and Goliath. You got the early round upsets that make it so appealing. I just think it would lose a lot of luster if they try to go off and do their own thing. I, I just don't see this happening. Would you? Think well, it's a you know, you know, when when all the expansion started happening a decade ago, uh, there was a lot of talk of going to like either four or five 16 team super conferences uh, you know and, and I remember who was the former whack commissioner Carl Benson my gosh yes Benson and, and I, I remember a lot of these these at the time BCS now now power five uh, commissioners talking to him because if you remember the the whack of the late nineties had sixteen teams, and, and you know that was one of the reasons why 
you know, Albert Yates, Dr. Yates, and, and some of the other presidents broke apart from the WAC because they were losing their, we were losing our rivalries. But they, you know, there's, there's some talk, uh, and they talked to Benson about going to these super conferences. And then that way, breaking, I mean, and, and breaking away and, and starting their own with version of the NCAA. I think you would have to do something like that. In all honesty, I think that would probably be the best bet for CSU to move on to a bigger conference would be if there was a situation like that, as opposed to the way it is now. Because the way it is now with, I mean, basically the NCAA has let the Big Big 12 do whatever they want, adding the conference championship with 10 members and – as opposed to it was always no, 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 we can't do that. And, and as soon as that happened, I mean, I mean, we were, we were the, the last girl at the bar, you know, uh, yeah, they'll take us home, but I mean, they wouldn't be proud in the morning, <laughs> you know, but when, when they didn't need that option, then, I mean, that, that ended quickly. So I think, if that did happen where, where the, the power five conferences started looking at that, I honestly think it would turn into more of four conferences and then they, that they would need to add some to even it out where you'd have almost like a, a West coast, a Midwest, uh, North and then a South. So you'd need like the 16, conf- 16 team conferences in that. So you'd have the, the Big Twelve, Big Twelve, break up into pretty much the the Pac, the uh, the Pac Twelve and, and the the Big Ten, yep. and that that's where we would we would fall into that <laughs> that piece. Good stuff, Michael. Um, all right, one last question. Uh, it was about a week ago or so. The Mountain West announced that it's going to expand its uh, men's basketball slate to be a 20 team or 20 game schedule. So it'll be a true round robin. You play every team twice and San Diego state was not happy about that. You know, that's a, that's a national program that meticulously creates their schedule each year. They have some reach games, but it's all designed about their, around their RPI. Well, around their strength of schedule and uh, now it's net rankings. Right. But uh they don't want to have to play necessarily Air Force twice, San Jose State twice, or the bottom dregs of the conference twice. They'd rather have that few game flexibility to add who they want to. And it's the, the, uh, the article that I read, so the unofficial no votes were San Diego State, Nevada, UNLV, and then Air Force, which is kind of weird, but and probably because they want to play their fellow military school rivals. But mm-hmm. You know, it's no coincidence that the that the power basketball schools in the conference didn't want to see this happen. So, uh, with UNLV, Nevada, and, and San Diego State, we, what do you think? I, I I don't mind it from our standpoint. It w- would eliminate the Omaha's, the Utah Valleys, the Dones that we played like last year. Um, but any any negatives you see here, or any are you indifferent to this? So, I, the positive I see is. You look at you look at some of the years that we were penalized because we had to face San Jose State twice with the way the round robin worked out, yep. and we didn't play 
Boise twice, or he, or he didn't play San, San Diego State twice, or he didn't play UNLV twice. Um, and our conference schedule hurt us. Um, because we didn't have, I mean, even, you, you know, look, you look at this last year where we did play San, San Jose State twice, uh, San Jose State twice. And there was that, you know, we were kind of being mental as a bubble team when we were going on our, our run or we were definitely like a, a higher seeded NIT bid. But having to play them twice was killing our, our ranking. Uh, so having that true round robin helps with that um, in most years. Uh, I, I definitely see San Diego State's – for San Diego State, yes, it, it, it does hurt them because they are a national team and, and, and other schools recognize that, and so they're able to get some, some bigger games. For uh, CSU at the moment, you know, it wasn't the case, you know, five, six, seven years ago, but at the moment – yeah, no, there's not going to be, uh, you know, you, you take a, a mid power five, uh, a mid, a mid, uh, uh, not a, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry. A mid, uh, you, you take a mid power five school. They're not a TCU, you know, who's on the bubble all year long. They're not going to schedule a CSU uh, with their non, with their non-conference. So yeah, playing around Robin where we know we're going to play, San Diego State twice and Nevada twice, UNLV twice helps us instead of having to not being turned down by the TCUs, the the Baylors, you know, programs like that in our region, and having to pick up uh, Omaha, a UNO, a, a Tone College, a, a Western State. I know we played them a couple of years ago uh, to just to fill a a, a, a schedule, a non conference schedule. So Simon Fraser. Yep. Their mascot is the clan. That's interesting. Athletes in action. That was a staple. <laughs> that was a staple under Stu Moral. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we'll have to uh we'll have to talk some more hoops here in the near future, and I'm sure we can get Coach Medved on uh in the coming weeks as well. Uh next year is gonna be a fun one and the future is bright for hoops at CSU for sure. Yes, I, you know, one last thought related to hoops. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we didn't get to play in the postseason. We were going to the CBI. It was everyone says that was a done deal. But what if we had like made this run, playing pretty good at the end of the season? We almost knocked off San Diego State on the road, number four team in the country at the time. What would have been more brutal? Finishing the season strong like that, winning the Mountain West tournament, going to the NCAA tournament only to have it canceled. <laughs> Or losing like we did to to our rival in the opening round game. Well, obviously, obviously winning, <laughs> losing losing was was the worst. That was horrible. Getting getting knocked out by uh, Wyoming. You know, I flew out. We we both flew out. <laughs> Excited to watch that Thursday Thursday game and and then not having that opportunity as fans. I mean, you know, I just think of all my and you, you're probably in the same boat. All our friends that are uh, the cheer for that team in Boulder. You know, and how disappointed they are. Yeah. Because they they would probably would have got in as an at large team. Yep. And uh, and they didn't get that opportunity. So. Well, on the on the in the airport on the way home, on the, that Saturday night from Vegas, we ran. I ran into Craig Smith and the Utah State team. They were in our same terminal, 
and uh, they were all on cloud nine. I talked to Craig and he, by the way, what an amazing guy that guy is. I mean, I probably yeah. talked to him a handful of times when he was here and he immediately said, Hey Joel, how you been? And I was like, how the hell does he even remember who I am? But That's anyway, awesome. um, super great guy, but they were so happy and they're all handing the trophy back and forth. And, and I just could not stop thinking about it once uh, when, when they canceled the tournament, I just kept seeing those guys in my head, like, how devastating it would be for them. Oh but, gosh. Yeah. But you're right, man. We, I, I, I booked my trip for that, for the tournament, what three weeks in advance. And at that time it looked like we were pretty much a lock for the top six. And then things kind of, yep. kind of went downhill a little bit from there. And we fell into the seven seed and, and uh, had to play that Thursday or Wednesday game. Right. It was Wednesday game. And yep. uh yep. I couldn't miss work that day, so I was just hope, praying that we get by Wyoming and we go watch the next, the you know, the next couple rounds. And I was on the plane watching on my phone, watching it happen, yep. and just we were all just devastated, like this is not happening. But oh yeah, I got to say it's not the first time it's happened to, to me. <laughs> one, one time happened in the pigtail game. <laughs> we were going out for the tournament and we were in the pigtail oh. game and lost to Air Force and missed that one. But, <laughs> Anyway, man, uh, it was fun again. We went longer than we thought. Uh, we yep. got some. We we got some great guests coming up here in the future that we got planned. We promise it's not all going to be from the 1990s glory days. Although, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy those. But we'll mix exactly. it up. Exactly. I'll, I'll, we'll mix it up, and uh, and it might you know what might be fun is bringing on some uh, some legendary posters here in the next couple of weeks, like Swole Swole Cracker if he gets back to me, and Bighorn Sheep. Big country, stalwart. Yeah. All those guys would be great. I'm actually, it might actually kind of be intriguing and might get better ratings if we had bored villains like 80s and San Fran on. <laughs> right. You know, I've met both of those guys I mean, in people... person. They're, they're a lot different in person than they are on the board. Oh, yeah. So it might be a, yeah. a good experiment to let people listen to their I mean, people watch the freaking Kardashians. They get ratings, so. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Train wrecks. Right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks to our sponsors, Ginger and Baker, Mighty River Brewing Company. Thanks to all you guys for listening and for the tremendous feedback we've been getting. You know, we do this solely for fun. We do it to bring a little bit of entertainment to you guys. We are definite amateurs. So please excuse when we overindulge on the air like we did last week or ramble way too long. We're asking some of our favorite right. players uh, of the glory days. Uh, a long-winded question, but uh, we'll continue to get better as we go. But uh, have and a great week, always everybody. a shout-out to uh, unofficial sponsor, Malort. Malort. Maybe we can get them on, man. We'll, we'll share. We can work the, on it. Why don't, why don't you do that? I don't, know if we could, I don't know if we could really help them in their sales, though. They, they've opened up to Colorado. This is one of the states that they're selling in. All so. right. Tap into your contacts. All right. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Go Rams. Go Rams. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.